What are you doing? I'm setting the chair for the new sermon series. Oh, I appreciate, yeah, but I, I don't want it there. Let's try it over there. Okay. A little more. Over, over. No, try it over here. A little more. This way a little bit. Now bring it back up here. Yeah. Now? Yeah, that looks good. We just need to do that two more times. That's exactly how things go around here, by the way. Hey, several months ago, our teaching team uh, was taking a look at what we wanted to talk about this year, and we noticed, as you probably did, and I'm not sure when you noticed it, but we noticed pretty early on that uh, this January 1 fell on a Sunday, and so I began thinking about what is it that is really important for all of us who are disciples to kind of, to just, I mean, to get right. If we're going to step off together on the right foot as we go into 2023, what is it that we want to make sure all of us get? And so what I want to share with you this morning is something I've shared before. It's been years and years ago, but I want to share it again this morning. And as we start, I want to make sure that we all, again, have the same understanding when we, because you'll hear me say disciple this morning. And when you hear that word disciple, what I want to make sure you get uh, that we all get together, and we said it a lot at the end of last year, and uh, my hope is that just, I mean, when, when we use that word, this idea just comes into your head, that a disciple is someone who is following Jesus and being changed by Jesus and is committed to the mission of Jesus. So when we talk about discipleship, that's really what we're talking about. It's what we're shooting at uh, as those who follow Jesus. So to talk about that this morning, I want to talk about three chairs. And uh, my guess is, by the way, that growing up, all of us have played musical chairs. Yes, can I just see your hands? If you've played musical chairs growing up at all, okay, that's great. I figured. Uh, And if you had not, your childhood, you know, I'm really sorry you missed that. Uh, But uh, musical chairs, probably at a birthday party is my guess. You know, the chairs were probably in a circle. Someone's playing music. And there's one less chair than there are people so that when the music stops, what do you do? And you push, shove, bump, whatever, right? You, you got to do, because you got to get in that chair, uh, make sure you get a, a, a chair. And when I was in student ministry, we would play full contact musical chairs. Yeah, now, uh, and this just basically took away the pretense of politeness uh, in the game, because there was none, and man, it was awesome, and we only sent a few kids to the hospital. But I'm going to guess that most of us continue to play musical chairs, even as adults, we just may not call it that. But we do realize that we move from one chair uh, to the next, and we want to be the last one sitting in the, in the winning chair because we all know, and this, by the way, is in the YouVersion uh, Bible app notes because I want you to take this home, and I want you to think about this. But we all know that where you sit, uh, when, when you're, where you sit ending up in life is a big deal. The chair you're sitting in when you end life is a big deal. So we're sitting on the edge of a new year, first day in, and I want us to think about what chair we're sitting in in our family, what uh, what chair we're sitting in in our relationship 
with God. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, I'm going to talk about these three chairs. This idea originated, it's not original with me, by the way. Dr. Bruce Wilkinson, 23 years ago, wrote a book called uh, Experiencing Spiritual Breakthroughs. And I got that book years and years and years ago, and I read it, highly recommend it to you as well. But in that book, he makes this statement, again, in the notes. Uh, he said, lasting life change is something, simply what happens when we're confronted with God's truth and choose to respond. So let me just say that one more time because I want to make sure that you get that. Lasting life change is simply what happens when we are confronted with God's truth and we choose to respond. So if this is your first time with us, my name's Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at MCC, and I really appreciate you being with us here in the room. Appreciate you joining us online. And I want to say hi to Spencer and Hannah. I was talking to Spencer last night during the game. I should have been focusing more on my game. Uh, but they're talking to Spencer. They've moved out to Colorado, and they still join us online. So just wanted to say hey to you and your girls. It's great to have you with us. Uh, but my hope this morning is to help you recognize which chair that you're sitting in, that your family sits in, and what chair you want to be in for yourself and for your family, and if there are any moves, what it needs to be. So we're going to attach a word to each of these chairs uh, initially, just to sort of get an idea. And the chair, the word that we're going to attach to this first chair is commitment. Uh, the person in this first chair is committed to God. I want to be real clear about that. I also want to be real clear. They don't think they're perfect. They actually know they're not, but they're comfortable with God's grace. They try as hard as they can to follow Jesus, but they know that they're going to blow it. They don't get it right all the time, but when they do, they know that God's grace covers them and his forgiveness will help them. And to be clear, they don't compartmentalize their life. I want to make sure you get that as well. Uh, there's not, you know, like a work life and a family life and a church life. All of it belongs to God. They see their life as a journey that they're on with him. And God's not there to be a killjoy. He's not there to, you know, give you rules that make life burdensome. Life with him is an adventure. Uh, and, and he has put up guardrails to keep his children safe. Uh, and they recognize that. And so they journey with Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis. And they love it. This second chair we're going to call um, Compromise. And when you sit in this chair, you haven't quite determined actually how much of your life is going to belong to Jesus. And you believe the stuff that the person in the first chair believes, right? Uh, and if you're honest, you would have to admit to yourself that you remember there was a time when you made a commitment to Jesus. And maybe, uh, maybe uh, you know, you, you, you remember that day, you remember that moment. But if you're being honest with yourself, you would have to say you've probably begun to compromise a bit. Over time, it's dwindled. You don't talk to God as much as you used to. You don't spend time in his word listening to what he would say to you. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jesus has become kind of like the other spokes uh, of the wheel of your life. I mean, there's you know, entertainment and hanging out with friends and, and family and work and school. And Jesus is just one more of those spokes. And here's the deal. Listen, I've spent time in this chair. And I'm wondering if we were all real honest about it, if we haven't all spent some time in this chair at one point or another. Uh, if you wouldn't say that when you were younger, maybe you had someone who invested in you 
Maybe your mom and dad took you to church. Maybe your granny read you Bible stories. Maybe a friend of yours invited you to, to youth group. And man, you, you bought in and it was, it was everything for you. And then the older you got, something's kind of happened and life's kind of gotten in the way and relationships and you get kind of busy and life gets complicated or other things look more appealing to you. And you start to compromise. And you stop doing the things that God wants you to do. And as a matter of fact, you know you used to sit over there. And you can't really point to a when or a why. But you know that slowly you have begun to move out of that chair into this chair. The third chair we're going to call complacency. And uh, this third chair, uh, I'm going to guess we've all been in at some point as well. Maybe, maybe, I wonder if there's some of us in the room, uh, some of us who are online, who are in this chair even, you know, right now. Uh, the person who sits in chair three, self-sufficient. They don't need God. I mean, it's nice maybe that he's out there, maybe. They're not even really sure that he exists, actually. And they could be an atheist. They might even tell you that God isn't real and that he's just somebody that people who needed a crutch in life made up just for weak, weak people. But that's not me. I can take care of myself. Uh, and to be clear, this person doesn't have to be an outspoken atheist. They can sit in church. And maybe they know the songs. And maybe they believe in God. But they live their life as if he does not exist at all. He has no influence. You can do all kinds of religious things uh, in your life and still be sitting in chair number three. But God has no effect on your life. Now, I'm going to give three other words that we use here at MCC just to make sure because I want to make sure you hear these words. The first is the word disciple. Chair number one is the disciple of Jesus because the disciple of Jesus, do you remember what, when we say disciple of Jesus, we mean someone who is what? Following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and committed to the mission of Jesus. So they made this decision to follow Jesus at one point in their life, and every day they still make that decision. That's still a commitment that they get up, and they, this day belongs to you, Jesus. And I want you to change me more today to become like you. I know you were changing me yesterday, but I need you to change me some more today, and you'll just keep changing me until I come to live with you forever, and I will be committed to your mission in my life, in my family, in my neighborhood, in my community, and in the world, because I know you want to change the world, so because you want to change the world, I want to change the world. The word for the second chair that's maybe more familiar in the 21st century, and I don't know if this will offend you, is the word Christian. Because the word Christian in the 21st century doesn't hold the meaning that it held in the first century. In the first century, this word was used of disciples of Jesus for the very first time in the book of Acts, and the word literally means little Christ. And they were called that because they acted so much like Jesus. It was not a compliment, by the way. They were, you know, they were getting on them. Uh, and so, but in the 21st century, that's not what being a Christian means. As a matter of fact, you can be called a Christian and not act like Jesus very much at all. It just means you go to church occasionally, maybe, visit him a couple times a year, maybe. Uh, and... If what he wants lines up with what you want, that is awesome. But if what he wants and what you want doesn't line up, too bad, so sad, you're dead. You're doing whatever you want, uh, even if it's not what he wants, because you're compromised in your faith. The third, and you've heard me use this word before, is practical atheist. And this person may go to church, or they may not. 
but they, they, and they may say they believe in God. Again, I just want to make sure he has no impact on their life. They, he, they, what he says does not matter to them. Uh, and and if, he, if he, what he says lines up with how they live, man, that's fine, but they don't care. Uh, and again, we might find a chair three person uh, sitting here in, in worship. And that's, you know, we'll talk about that, all right? So committed compromise, complacency, disciple, Christian, practical, atheists. And listen, my guess is, again, we have all three types of people with us today and online. But what I want to make sure you get is this. This is the truth that you have to hold on to today. Everyone in this room, everyone who's with us online, you're sitting in one of these three chairs. There is no fourth chair. There's no sitting between the chairs. You are sitting in one of these three chairs this morning. The important thing is to figure out which one it is, and is that where you want to be? So back in the Old Testament, Moses leads the Israelites out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. They pick up some bad habits because in those 400 years, generations of families, by the way, they had lived among people who worshipped foreign gods. And they picked up the worship of those foreign gods. And then Moses leads them out of, the, out of slavery to the promised land. They stand on the edge of this land. Uh, and the land that they're about to go in, there are people who live in that land who worship foreign gods. And when they move into that land, they might be tempted to worship some of those idols as well. So they're standing there, and Moses has died. Joshua is now the leader. Joshua, if you don't know who he was, he was a slave in Egypt for a while. And then he was a servant of Moses while Moses was leading the Israelites out of slavery. Joshua served with him. And then he was one of the spies, one of the 12 spies that went in to spy out the land uh, and came back to talk about it. But now that Moses is dead, he's the general of the, of the people of Israel. He's their national leader and he's about to lead them into the land. And before he does, he addresses the whole Israelite nation. And this is what he says, and you may know these words. He said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether it's the gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So there are all kinds of gods who are going to vie for your attention and your affection who live in the land where we're going, but you need to choose who you're going to serve with your life. Without a doubt, the most important question that the people of God would be asked on that day, who will you serve? And Joshua says, but for me and my house, we're going to choose to serve the, the Lord. To be clear, we will love him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. We won't always get it right. But that's always going to be the goal. We want to get it right. We know that we'll fall short at times, but we're always shooting at that. And we will not compromise to fit into the culture around us. We're not going to be complacent. And Joshua said, I can't, listen, I can't choose where you're going to sit. You, you have to choose for yourself. But as for me and my house, we're going to sit in chair number one. And that inspired them. I mean, the whole Israelite nation, they were inspired. Listen to how they respond to him. They said, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. So they enter into the land, into the promised land, committed to God. But it wasn't long after they moved in that they began to change chairs. And they went from committed people to compromised people. Eventually, some of them became very complacent people in the promised land that God had given them. 
Joshua at this point is dead and gone, and their, their commitment has wavered in that. And just a few pages later, we read this. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua, and the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua the son, uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And after that, uh, whole, uh, after that, a whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. In one generation, one generation, they went from people who said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, all the way over to, we don't even know who he is. These stories you guys are telling, we don't, we don't even know what, what you're talking about. How could, how could something like that happen? I mean, how, in one generation, how could it slide so far? And the scary thing is, it still does. In families, in one generation, it can slide in one generation. In, in churches, right? There can be a slow fade in the church from commitment of a whole church to compromise, to complacency. And, and being more concerned about fitting in with the culture than with what God has to say. So listen, if you're wondering, oh my goodness, this is kind of making me a little nervous here. I don't, what, where, do, where am I? What chair am I sitting in? Let me give you some relationships because there's a way to figure out what chair you are sitting in because the chair you're sitting in affects how you see God and how you choose your values and how you relate to your family. So what we're going to do is we're going to just walk through a few of these. We'll start with who's calling the shots in your life. So the person in chair one, who do you think is calling the shots in their life? Yeah, God's calling the shots uh, in their life. Chair one, people know that God is this loving father uh, who's doing what's best for his kids, so they trust him. He's not some deity who lives off somewhere else doing his own thing while we're over here trying to do our own thing. Chair one, people agree with what C.S. Lewis said. This is in your notes. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that one thing that Christianity can never be is moderately important. For one chair one people, their whole life revolves around God. He's in the driver's seat. See, he's calling the shots. He sits on the throne. And again, I just want to emphasize this because it's not that they're perfect. They're not. They know they're not. But they have grown to embrace what Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, Galatians 2.20, that says, I've been crucified with Christ. So I no longer live, but Christ lives through me. And the life that I now live in the body, I live through the one who loves me and gave his life for me. And again, while they don't, they don't get it perfectly, they're doing their best to follow God on a day-by-day, moment-by-moment basis. All right, how about this chair? Chair number two, who do you think is calling the shots? By the way, did you notice anything about this chair that's different than the others? Yeah, it's bigger. Boy, it's a very comfy chair for one or... The person calling the shots in this chair is me and God. Uh, this is the chair, and you can't see it. There's a bumper sticker on the back that says, God is my co-pilot. Uh, and to be frank, there's not really. Uh, to be frank, if you're sitting in chair two, you're not really sharing the leadership with God. You're calling the shots. And then when something goes wrong, you're crying out to God to bail you out. You want him to fix the situation. But if you want to know if this is you, you show up less and less to worship, you serve less and less, you're spending less time with him uh, through time in the word, 
time in prayer. You start going places, even back to old places that draw you away, lead you further and further away from him. And we justify it by comparing ourselves to who? If you've ever said anything like, well, at least I'm not like the heathen sitting in chair number three. Are you kidding? Look at the way they live their life. Or if you've ever rolled your eyes and said, at least I'm not the Jesus freak like chair number one over there. You know that you're sitting in chair number two. Chair number three, who's calling the shots? I am. Because it's all about me. I don't really care what God wants. I know what my goals are. I know what my ambitions are. I know what my dreams are. And I'm going to make that happen. And if I leave a trail of hurt people in my wake, on my way to the top of the ladder, you know what? That's just the cost of doing business. And that's what I'm going to have to do. So which chair are you sitting in when it comes to uh, your, your relationship with God and your connection with him? So it, you know, part of it is how we see God. People in chair number one, when they think about God, they think about relationship uh, with him. Uh, again, they know he's not someone who's preoccupied and not paying attention. They walk with him every day. And so they would say that they have a relationship with God. Chair number two people would probably describe their relationship, their connection with him as a religion. Really, it kind of feels like more a bunch of list of rules than it does a relationship. I mean, there's 10 of them in the Old Testament we know we got them and they can't break. But, but there's a whole bunch of other little ones, and it seems like our church leaders make up more all the time. And so there's just a bunch of these rules that we have to keep. But if you look at your life, you can tell that it's not about relationship, it's about rules because you're no more kinder than you were last year. You're no more gentler. You're no more patient than you were 5 or 10 or 15, 50 years. You've been, following, you've been going to church 50 years and you're no different than you were 50 years ago. It's because, it's because you're seeing your relationship with God as a list of rules. And it's just another compartment for you. So just like you go watch movies or hang out with your friends or do a puzzle or, or go to work or go to school, you go to church as well. It's just one more thing that you do. For the person to understand the authority that it has because God has spoken to us through his word, and so they submit to God's word. Chair number two people, they're a little bit off of that. They respect the Bible. I mean, they like parts of it, but there's other parts that just seem weird to them, and they're not going to do that. And they actually, honestly, get as much guidance from the Bible as they do from politicians and talk shows and magazine articles and podcasts. They're just as likely to be led by one of them than they are by the word of God. It's all the same to them. The person in the chair and third chair more than likely owns a Bible. I mean, it's around here somewhere, you know, but it's not relevant for the 21st century. So who cares where it is? Uh, uh, they've totally missed that the Bible. Uh, they think of it as a, just a list of things. They've totally missed it's a love story about a God who has been pursuing you and won't give up on you and loves you. Mike Bro said this, and it's in the notes, I agree with him. He said, the longer you sit in any one of these three chairs, the more comfortable you become, and the harder they are to get out of. And they affect every other area of your life. Which chair you're sitting in affects how you see your career. It affects how you see your family. It affects how you see your marriage and raising kids. And all of us, listen, all of us want to grow up kids that are, uh, grow, we want our kids to grow up to be great. Nobody wants to raise their kids to to be jerks and to blow it in life. But how you view your children affects uh, 
uh, how you raise them and the chair you're sitting in affects how you view them. So chair number one people, their idea of, of how they want to raise their children is they want to raise godly children. Not perfect. Again, they're not unrealistic. But they want to raise kids who love Jesus and who love his church and who love his mission. And that's how they want to live their life. And that's really how they define. This is, our, this is a, a standard, a goal for us. Chair number two people want to raise good kids. Uh, get a good education. Say no to drugs. Don't join a gang. Don't rob a bank. Don't kill people. You know, all those standards that we set on whether someone is good or not. We want to make sure that our kids do that too. Children from chair number three people, they want to raise successful kids. They don't really care about anything uh, with the relationship with Jesus. What they care about is what kind of grades they get, what kind of college they're going to get into, and what kind of job they're going to get when they get out of college because they need to be able to make a lot of money. Dr. Bruce Wilkinson, who wrote the book, has done some research uh, on this. He spoke with parents and has found that usually, not always, because ultimately it's up to the kids, right? Growing up, we all got to make our own decision about who Jesus is going to be in our life, right? Kids today also have that option. But he said that what he found out was typically that uh, chair one parents tend to raise, what kind of kids do you think they raise? Chair one, two, or three kids? Chair one parents. Yeah, they tend to raise chair one kids because they've seen relationship with Jesus modeled in their family and they, they, are, they gravitate toward that. There's an authenticity. Not that their parents were perfect. Their parents weren't perfect. Their parents blew it. Their parents argued. Their parents did all the stupid things that all of us do. But they watched them go back to God time and time again. They looked at him for direction and guidance in their lives. But what he said was interesting was chair two parents, you would think that if chair one parents raised chair one children, that chair two parents would raise chair two children. But they don't. Chair two parents tend to raise chair three children. Because they've seen the duplicity in their home. Right? They saw mom and dad growing up thinking they're going to be co-leading with Jesus and realizing mom and dad are calling all the shots until things go wrong and then they cry out to God to save them, to fix this mess because they don't know what to do. And so they, they see that and they don't want anything to do with it and so they run as far away as they can. I wonder if some of us sat in chair three for a while in our lives because that's what we saw growing up as well. And we didn't want to have any part phony baloney that what, going to church why do I need to change where I am for an hour on Sunday that doesn't make me any different it doesn't make my parents any different and so we've made a decision to be over here because we're certainly not going to sit over there and this one just seems too far away for us so if you're a parent the best way to raise first chair kids is to make sure you're sitting in the first chair that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul all of your mind and all of your strength and so this morning we're going to do something every week. If this is your first time with us, every week we stop for a time of communion where we remember that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And we're going to do that here in just a moment. But it seemed like today, as we sit on the edge of a new year, and we talk about which chair we're sitting in, it would be really good to take this moment before we commit ourselves back to him through this remembering, because that's what communion is. It's really not just a time of remembering. It's a time of remembering and recommitting to him that we would consider what chair we're sitting in. And if you're sitting in chair one, and I have no doubt we have chair one people in the room, chair one people with us online. Thank you very much for your faithfulness to God. And I think it would be wise for you during this time to thank him for his mercy and commit 
to following him and being changed by him and being committed to his mission. That's what this time would be for uh, those who are in chair one. If you're in chair two, you may be feeling a little uncomfortable. And by the way, that was my hope this morning, that there would be people who would feel uncomfortable. I actually had someone come up to me between services and say, oh my gosh, you're describing chair two and I realize I'm sitting squarely in chair two right now in my life and I don't want to be there. And I said, great. You need to make some different decisions then about what you're doing. Uh, pretending is not the way to live your life. I go to church. Great. That's not all there is to being a disciple of Jesus. And so if, you're, if you don't want to be pretending anymore, listen, if you're thinking, uh, at least I believe in God. I mean, that's sort of a safety net. I don't kill people. I don't rob banks. And I believe in God, right? Uh, James 2 reminds us even the demons believe and they shudder. You may be in more danger than you think is what I'm trying to tell you. At least be honest enough to admit I've slid into chair two, and I hope you'll take communion, the time during communion, to repent of your sin and make that commitment back to God of who you will be, or at least be honest with yourself because your children are watching and others are watching, and the duplicity is killing the kingdom of God. At least be honest enough with yourself to say to him, you know what, God, I am in chair two right now, and I really don't want to move. At least be honest with him about that. And if you are in chair three, please know that you are always welcome here. Uh, many of us have sat where you are. Uh, and maybe you have questions. Maybe that's really where you're at. And can I just say, your questions are always welcome here. They may make us a little bit uncomfortable. They may stretch us. We may get nervous because your question is so good and we're afraid that we can't answer it. But we believe that faith is a journey. This is one of our core values at MCC. We believe faith is a journey. It's not a destination. And we will meet people where they are, not where we wish they were. And we will risk getting our hands messy and dirty. And by the way, we've walked with people we will risk getting hurt to help you become a disciple of Jesus. My invitation to you, even today, is that you make a decision about leaving chair three and jumping over to chair one. We would love to help you with that. And if you're in chair two, we'd love to help you move over to chair one as well. But this time of communion is about remembering the options that we have, the opportunities that we have, because Jesus would say in John chapter 1, to all who believed him and accepted him, God gave the right to become children of God. All of us, all of us, have the opportunity to become children of God and to follow him and be changed by him and be committed to the mission of his kingdom, regardless of what chair we came in sitting in this morning. We all have that option available to us if we'll accept it. And we'd love to help you with that. But our time of communion today is going to be about just consideration and honesty. You're not telling the room, you're just telling God, here's where I am. And if where I am is not where I want to be, So I'll pray and we'll do that together. Father, thank you for a moment of honesty like this, especially on the first day of the year. Uh, 
where we can be honest first with ourselves that's probably where it will start and then with you God help us as individuals and collectively as a church that we just we wouldn't fake this that we wouldn't be satisfied with just going to church or being what the world calls a Christian. God, help us to drive to be a disciple of your son, Jesus. And that every day, we wouldn't just have made a commitment to him once in our life, but every day of our life, we say again, I, I want to follow you. I know what the road is. I know it's not easy. I know, it's, I know you call us to a higher standard, to a better way of life. Please help me live up to that today. And when I fail, please forgive me. God, help us to lean into chair one and make that commitment to you every day so that you can continue to change us and make us, Jesus, more like you. And Holy Spirit, we know that's the work you do in our lives. We don't have to try harder. We just have to let you grow bigger inside of us. And help us to be committed to your mission. Not just that our lives would change, but that the lives of those around us, our family, our friends, our neighbors, those we work with or go to school with, and then our community, and then this world. God, your dream is so much bigger than just our life, but it, but it has to do with our life. So help us during this time as we remember, Jesus, your body given for our sins, your blood shed that we might be drawn back to you and become children of God. Help us, we pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.